So if you want, if you want money, for instance, mm. you don't pursue money. Mm. You pursue value. The focus of a business would determine how successful the business is over time. Success is intentional mm. and greatness is more intentional. Mm. Every business is in the business of solving problems. Invest in corporate governance. Mm. Systems of reward, of learning, of management, terms of accountability. Your vision is foresight based on insight with the benefit of hindsight. Not mm. all passions are to be pursued immediately. That the dog has four legs doesn't mean it has to run in four directions. What does distinctive impact look like? What does greatness look like? How do you define greatness? The dream you don't define cannot drive you. Hello, Africa. You're welcome to another episode of See You Unscripted on Mr. Jegs Africa. With me today is somebody that needs a very little introduction in the impact space. He has helped small businesses across the world. He's on the board of many organizations. He's been the CEO of Hope Foundation, Leap Africa, Trace Academia. Now, he's on to some things that he would like to reveal himself. Everybody, please welcome the Femi Taiwo. Hello. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Jags Africa. Thank Excited you. to be here and I'm looking forward to a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for coming here. I'm particularly excited about this interview. So what formed Femi Taiwo? All right. So what formed Femi Taiwo? I think uh, I'm a combination of passion, vision, values, those three things. Um, I think a major part of my journey started with me understanding more about what I was passionate about, the problems I wanted to solve, the change I wanted to make in the world, a vision of how I saw myself in the world, making a change and contributing to change and the values that could get me there. Mm. So um, I think a good point to start would probably be um, a time when I set out a vision for myself. So people mm. call me FT. And mm. yes, FT is Femitaiwo, like yes. my initials, but FT has a deeper meaning to me. Mm. FT means facilitating transformation. Right. I remember after volunteering and doing many things with several organizations and reading a bit about the world and reading about reading biographies and reading different things, I decided or I realized that my positioning was to help facilitate the transformation of individuals, of organizations and nations. So I said that as my mission statement. I got um, did vision boards out of that, did logos, flyers around that, and that identity. I am a transformer or I facilitate the transformation of individuals, of ideas, of organizations and of nations formed the way I related with the world and the way I showed up and it formed uh, the pace of my preparation, the pace of my execution, the pace of my association, you know, and all of the things I've done. Then around that time as well, I decided that um, I needed my core values to align with that aspiration or with that vision. And so I... Um, with the help of one of my very close friends, which I'm going to review very soon, um, I I set out to define this set of values. And Mm. the values was actually called fame. Right? So people say, I like acronyms. Yeah, so you're going to hear a lot of acronyms. acronyms, Right? I'm telling you. And I realized that, like many things in life, Mm. people pursue the wrong thing. Mm. Many times, pursue, if you you want success, if you want want money, for instance, Mm. you don't pursue money. You pursue value or, or significance, mm. and money then Comes. naturally just follows, True. right? Um, the focus of a business would determine how successful the business is over time, mm. right? So, if a, if a business, for instance, is focused on value creation, customer satisfaction, 
you know, wowing the customer, you know, um, on the fundamentals, on the unit economics, they can look away and the business will grow, the business will move, right? Um, so I decided that I could focus on some other things and every other thing would actually um, pursue me, right? I could focus on the right things and then my aspiration would naturally form and, yeah. you know, show up, right? So for me, it, fame means, the F means faithful, faithfulness to the call and the color. So mm. faithfulness. Um, a is attitude of stewardship, Right, so I'm a steward of my gifts, my talents, my time, my mm. team. Mm. You know, my the organizations I'm privileged to serve in or lead. Um, the M is I'm motivated by love. I'm motivated by the love of the the problem I'm trying to solve, the love of the people that are solving the problem with me, the love of humanity. Mm. So motivated by love. Um, and E is I strive to execute with excellence and expertise. So mm. there's no point just executing anyhow. You know, there's mediocrity is common, but mm. can I strive to execute with excellence? You know. And we expertise, Amazing. right? So that's 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 basically what formed me: my values, my vision, and passion. Who were your what were your influence? You know, what influenced you growing up? You say I want to aspire to, be. you know, some things must have triggered this. You know, you going on the journey to say I need to have my core value. I need to have what were the things that influenced? You? Uh, typically in Nigeria, we you have a long break after grade nine before yeah. you go to senior high school. Yeah, right. Um, and so I had like, I think, five to six months. And then my dad um, told me that I had to read books and write book reports. Wow. So he gave me books like The Power of Positive Thinking. Um, I think that was Norman Vincent Pale. Gave me books by Robert Kiyosaki. Gave me biographies. There was a particular book called Movers and Shakers, which mm. was a summary of several biographies and the greatest thinkers, business mm. thinkers in the world. Um, one thing happened. I, I wanted to have fun, but I had to read these books. I skipped a lot of some of those. I'm smart enough, so I can just read the, the back, read the front, write a book report without yeah. reading the book. So I skipped some books, but in the midst of it, I fell in love with some books, mm. right? I particularly fell in love with biographies. I loved uh, the book Movers and Shakers nice. um, because it was an expose of several business thinkers and doers, right? And in that book, I just, I saw people build and do great things, mm. no matter their background, no matter how they started. You know, I... I had a, I, I saw the backstory of some of the biggest brands in the world, you know, and I saw the the, the, the story and the trajectory of some of the thinkers whose ideas are shaping the world of business, you know, yes. Peter Drucker, you know, yeah. and, and all of those people, um, 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 Michael Porter. I hope I got that right. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Michael Porter. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I and I just decided that so those were the things I was interacting with. Mm. That really helped me to shape that, you know what, I can aspire At for grade nine. Yeah, I can aspire for a lot more. I can aspire for that. What's what's my life about gonna be about? How do I want to contribute? I don't just want to come through life and go. So that was my first um, I would say taste of these things. Um so the next thing was we, we went to we got to school, back to secondary school, and of course we were feeling slum books, you know, mm. like all those scrapbooks that we feel yeah, yeah. and everybody had to write what would you want to do in future right i remember then i kind of be, I, I, because of those books i had a sense that i wanted to be a leader and an entrepreneur right so i, I wasn't so clear about but i just knew that i wanted to i wanted to be part of changing the world and frame and shaping the world hmm. but in my myopic mind i thought that the major thing to change the world with was money right so i knew ultimately that entrepreneurship was one of the sustainable ways to build wealth but I, in Nigeria then, oil and gas was raining. Yeah. So I was like, 
okay, maybe I should start a career in oil and gas and then re- use that to raise money and then I can move into business. So in all the slum books, I was always feeling chemical engineer, chemical engineer. And that went on from um, from the slum books to the jam forms and, you know, even my SAT. After I did my SAT and I had to apply to schools in the US, I was writing chemical engineering. But I was, I was clueless, you know, to say, what do I really want to do? It was when I got to university, my first few weeks in university, where I had the much-needed career counseling that my school did not, my secondary school did not provide for me. So, I, I mean, we went to the same university. So, you know, yeah. our university, at least in my own time, my set, they, they started by teaching us about purpose in the first few weeks. Yes. You know, telling you to think about your purpose, your passion. You know, and I was asking myself, why did I actually choose chemical engineering? And also, I set that first year to probe further. Because you have to interrogate your passion. Yeah. You have to interrogate the ideas that won't leave you alone. You have to interrogate the frustrations you have. So mm. I was interrogating a bit more about myself. Mm. Um, and that journey has not stopped. In fact, right now I'm on a sabbatical and mm. I'm also interrogating my place in the world moving forward. Mm. I mean, despite all the things I've, I've been privileged to do and participate in, I'm asking myself, what does tomorrow hold for me? So that's been the journey for me. It's been a journey of learning, a journey of reflecting, um, but a major part of my life and my identity and my ideologies have been framed by books and reading. So from my dad's right. time to all the other time. If you were to advise a government now, right, uh, or an education board in Africa, what will you say, how will you say they should infuse career counseling into uh, a secondary schools, high schools? How will you, in, in like, a few seconds, like how will you tell them to infuse this into the curriculum? How will you bring it bring it in? Yeah, um, very good question. Actually, mm. a a bit of context to jump into that to, to jump into the answer would mm. be: we have to recognize that everyone is designed uniquely, right? We are we are ways we are we all encompass vision, passion, talent, giftings. In the, in the development world, what we call it is agency. Yes. That young people have agency. Yes. They have their why, their what, yes. you know, their how, their yes. identity. You don't, if you want to really unlock the potential of young people, you want to help them to discover themselves. Yes. You want to help them to discover the agency that they have. So the question is, how do you do that? You have to create a sandbox. What is a sandbox? I mean, Sandbox is in tech. We talk about sandbox is a place where you can play, test ideas. So school should be designed in a way that young people can interact with their identity and exercise their identity in different ways. So let me give an example. A good design of a secondary school, since we started with high school, Mm -hmm. a good design of a high school should be one that you can explore different um, career areas even while you're still in school. You can interact with them in different ways. So it could be the mix of excursion, internships, apprenticeships, um, field trips, um, volunteering opportunities, the intentional labs created on campus. But you basically have to help them to interact with the potential pathways Mm. and find themselves. It could be as inviting people from outside, career people to come and speak about their careers, business people to come and speak about their jobs. But young people need to be exposed to the possibilities mm. before they pinpoint themselves within those possibilities and say, this is a pathway for my life, right, in terms of career. Yeah. But that is missing. We think it's just about the um, instructional method of 
a lecturer sits in class, everybody thinks we, we don't really have that design in part of school programming and pedagogy in a sustainable way, at least in public secondary school. But that's one of the ways we can do it. So inviting yeah. people who have gone ahead to come to secondary schools. And giving them the opportunity to exercise themselves. Yes. So let there be competitions. Competition is a powerful pedagogy. Mm. You know, so there, I mean, a, a good way is look at the U.S. educational system over yes. the years. By the time someone is in high school, they are, they, it's very clear whether they want to pursue athletic, an athletic career. Yes. Or they want to, like, they have opportunities to, ex, to find themselves yeah, and express themselves. Yeah. And even test several passions and test several yes. talents. And then, you know what? Discover that this is just an interest, but it's not a passion, right? So those kind of opportunities to play and discover and develop before they go out to start deploying themselves are very important. That's very beautiful. Thank you very much for that. So right now, you said you're on a sabbatical. Uh, we're still going to go into a lot of entrepreneurship questions because you've worked with a lot of small and medium scale businesses and even larger organizations. You've headed large, large organization. So you now, I know you have your uh, your uh, was your vision board, right? And you have your statement of uh, your mission statement and vision statement. If you could sum it up into one, what will you say? What will you say drives you right now? Ah, just one. At top yeah. of mind. Yes, that's the deep question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. You know, to be very honest, um, um, SJ, Mr. Jack Zapika. <laughs> I call him SJ. Yeah. Um, to be very honest, I think I think that articulating it properly is one of the things I've been trying to. I can answer that question, but I would even want to even articulate it better, which is one of the things when the season of reflection, right? But. A major thing driving me, uh, a major thing driving me is, uh, if you ask this question maybe a few years ago, I would have said it's about helping young people fulfill their potential and helping them to ensure their society lives up to the reality of the situation. Please, please break that down. Well, so, I'm not happy with where Africa is. I'm not happy with my nation. Like, I don't know. I know people are hungry, people are frustrated, but I have this special hunger, I think, mm. which is one of the things that, have, that, that has driven a lot of my career decisions, mm. right? Um, you know, to go and maybe start hope on behalf of, of my alma mater, you know, to pursue a career in development. Um, that frustration and anger has driven me to solve problems, to be part of solving problems, shaping um, solutions you know, towards what I, what, I, what I think. And a big part of that is, making a bet on young people, helping young people to develop as leaders and as entrepreneurial leaders to solve problems and help their community to become, or their society, or their country and continent to become um, the best that it can be for them, right? So a lot of the interventions about that's that's been the last, I would say, 10 years or 12 years of my life, right? Um, in the next couple of years, I want to approach that same problem in a different way. Right, which is what I'm trying to interrogate of myself and of what is going on in the world. I want to approach that in a different way. But in the next phase of my life, my faith would come is coming to the fore even more. In the sense that I know this is CEO unscripted, but the reality is that I want to help people build world class enterprises still. Mm-hmm. I want to help people build world class 
um, non-profits that would solve problems, you know, the wicked problems in the world. But after all is said and done, what happens after? So in the last one year, I was privileged to be part of the Praxis Fellowship. Mm. And it's the Praxis Fellowship taught about redemptive entrepreneurship, you know, faith-driven entrepreneurship, redemptive yes. entrepreneurship. And I think more and more, um, I don't just want to support change makers generally. More and more, I, I want to help develop redemptive entrepreneurs, people that who will take the the the, the 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 character of Christ, you know, and the attitude of Christ, and all of those, and the wisdom of Christ, together with the wisdom of the world, you know, of business school, and use it to solve problems that will change the world, but also have kingdom significance. So more and more, that's that's those are the reflections in my mind. Um, but like I said, I'm on like, that journey. That's what is driving you right yeah. now. If yeah. you had to sum it up, thank you very much for that. So, in your view small medium scale businesses in africa we know the peculiarity of africa right you've been in i know you've traveled all around the world you know but and it even exacerbates you know the peculiarity in africa so what are the what would you say are the basic principles first principle scale your business <laughs> that's that's a very that's a very interesting question. Yeah. Um, first principle. Yeah. Growing, scaling your business. First is that business is all about solving problems. Every business is in the business of solving problems. Now, whether in the creative sector, agricultural sector, digital sector, whatever sector you play, whatever industry you have, you are in the business of solving problems. If you can articulate distinctively the problem you are solving and your uniqueness to solve that problem well compared to others and who you are solving that problem for. So it's, I think it revolves around the value you create. That's the problem you solve. Mm. So because your products will be solving a problem, your services will be solving a problem. You can, we can talk about the other things, but first of all, fundamentally, what's your business? What, what value are you bringing to the marketplace? Because it's a game of value. And by that, what problem are you solving? Can you quantify it? Can you qualify it? Can you identify those who have those problems? You know, then we can follow the story of the problem. Who has the problem? Are there many people that have the problem? Are they willing to pay for the problem? Right? Who are the other people solving the problem? Right? And how do you stand out and be the go-to person when they, when they think about that solution? I think that's fundamental. The, the problem you are solving, the value you are creating, and the customer. Yeah. So, um... Those are the, those are more like the basic principles they teach you in business school, you know. Uh, what is the value you're bringing to the table? Product, the service. Um, yeah. Who are people that need it? Are they willing to pay for it? Does it solve the problem? Um, can you deliver the solution? And is it sustainable? So those are like the basic principles. Thank you very much for sharing that. So I'm going back to what are the top three books that changed your life? Top three. You know them because you're like, hey, I know you mentioned uh, some books growing up that your dad gave you, you know, and to, to review. But you've read more books than them. So top three books that changed your mind. Okay. That's one would be Good to Great. I knew that was coming. Yeah, Jim Collins. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I, love, I, bought, I bought a cut of that book. Yeah. I, I, I When I was leading in Leap Africa, 
we used to team up team teams for our years. Yeah. And for like two years, we had Gutu Great as wow. the theme for the year. And I bought the whole cut of uh, uh, team members. That. No, there are two versions of the book. There yeah. is the big one that he wrote for, the first one he wrote, which was focused on for-profit business. And he realized that, Jim Collins realized that a third, more than a third of his readers were from the social sector. So he wrote another version called um, Good to Great for the social sector, right? So it was that copy. It's a smaller version. In fact, he has not released the main book. He released that as a, so it was a monograph. So like, you know what? I'm already doing this research and I'm finding a lot of interesting things. Yeah, this is my first output, out the, but yeah. I'm going to do a f- further research and then publish a, a bigger book. So I bought, I bought, <laughs> I think one of the Afghatons actually. What? Because, yeah. <laughs> And I keep giving out those copies. I even want to buy right now because I still thought about it some weeks ago. So that's the first. Good to Is it the, the social one? The or social the sector one. I have both, but the social sector one particularly um, was, it's small, it's powerful. It's beyond even applicable to social sector. The principle would apply even to the business sector and even public sector. So so if you yeah. if you buy the one for the social sector, do yeah. you still need the one for the for profit? Oh yeah, because um, the, the stories, the applications are quite different. Okay. But the principles are the same. It's the same five principles I of see. the good to great that you applied. Same framework, right? But the application is somewhat different. different. So, yeah, okay. you'll benefit from both. So, good to That's great. One. Good to great. Um, ah, I grew up a lot on John C. Maxwell. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm trying to say, which was, what was the most transformative John C. Maxwell book? The guy wrote a lot of good books. Um, one, one major one is coming to mind. I'll say okay. that when you're done. Oh, but, okay. But let me say this. This, this is a powerful one. And oh. this one, applies this one is a very powerful book for a change maker for a leader for an entrepreneur it's a very it's one of the smallest books i know it which one? white and blue white and blue yes. yeah which one what do you think it is how successful yes that was what i was telling you that thing is transformative it will tear your mind open i tell you i tell you so yes how successful we would think yeah i wanted you to finish it's one of the smallest books and yes, change yes, yes. my life yes. that book is good uh, we, we'll talk about the book because yeah. leadership leadership is about is thinking mm. right it's how you think yeah and and it's the difference between a leader and a follower is how they think yeah. and the quality of the thinking right but that's the second book so it's third book the third book, book. Mm. I, I would have to give it to movers and shakers Mm. Because it's it's from the it's it helps shape aspiration and um, purpose in me and mm. intention in me um, very early on and so I would say that that's it. that's it. But there are many books I'm struggling to put a third book. But let's just uh, another book I would have said yeah. is Atomic Habits. Ah, okay. I I have then not courage, finished reading that, but yeah. it's powerful. Courage is calling. Have you read Courage is calling? I bought it. I've not read. Okay. It's on my it's on my list for this quarter actually. You see, you yeah. see, there are some books yeah, that are just, just you know? Yeah, so I bought that um, Discipline is Destiny and Courage is Calling. Courage, yeah. Ego, yeah. ego is the enemy. Yeah. You know, that the, the guy is very stoic. Yeah. Very, yeah. There, there are a lot of classical books that I still go back to. Power of Positive Thinking, definitely. Yes. Too. It's just that that's accessible thing. Probably it, it, yes, it yeah. just moved it off the shelf. Moved it off the shelf for me, but there are a lot of powerful books. I love yes. Jim Rohn. I know you love Jim Rohn. Yes, I do too. I love Jim Rohn. Um, I love hearing him speak. Yes, yes. It's the podcast and videos. Yes. Yeah. They, they were really fun. fun yeah. Fun Jim Rohn is, is very different. He, he takes you through the journey. Even the way yeah. he talks. Yeah. And nah. The, the way he slurs, <laughs> yeah. you know, his word. Amazing. So, tell me about imagination and thinking. And did you think you'll be this successful? Right? And... You may not be there yet, or are you there yet? You know, are you where you thought you'd be at this point? 
Do we do we look like we're there yet? <laughs> <laughs> we're growing anyway. We're growing. Okay. See, uh, the truth of the matter is this. Yeah. One of the principles that I I held on to very early mm. is that success is intentional mm. and greatness is more intentional. You can success is intentional and greatness, greatness is, more is more intentional. You can literally program your life. You can literally program your life and uh, design your outcome mm. to a great extent. Right? Um, and if if you if you understand that mm. you can walk backwards so if you if you if you speak to people that kind of knew me 10 years ago yes they will tell you Femi is doing everything he said he wanted to do mm. Femi is um, I mean let me give an example and this is this is by the grace of God right now I won't, I don't tick all the boxes mm. I've made several mistakes right but knowing that I could design the outcomes of my life very early and then having a sandbox to experiment it before coming out. You know, my sandbox was university. Yeah. So university, my year one, when I came up, when I found these principles and I interacted with these principles, in my year one, I told myself I wanted to be a professor. Right? I was like, I can, it- I, I can program my life to get this, oh. this result. So the first thing I did was I went to Ghana conversation with quite a number of first class people that I met. I mean I got to year one. So for people already having first class in final year, let me go and talk to them. What did they do? What are they doing? Right? Because one of the knowledge will give you an edge in programming yes. your life. So knowledge is a, knowledge and wisdom. So I went to procure wisdom and acquire sense, like they would say. <laughs> right. <laughs> so taking what I learned, I took from different people and with the help of my friends, I developed my own framework, my own principles, and I decided not to focus on my the scoreboard, yeah. my CGPA, my GPA. I decided to focus on the principles, on my framework, and I could guarantee that the result would follow. I learned this particular principle of what you focus on yeah. from one of my mentors, Feladrote. He was talking about how in a game of lawn tennis, what determines the winner? The scoreboard, right? Yeah. But what truly determines the winner is the ball. If the player can make sure that every time the ball comes to his court, mm. he plays the ball to the within the confines of the court to the yes. other side. If he can focus on the ball each time without he doesn't have to look at the scoreboard yes. to, to win. He just has to make sure he's paying attention to the ball yes. and eating the ball to the other side. If he focuses on that consistently, and that is his occupation, yes. of the, the occupation of his mind. mind yes. It can be sure that it's covered. So in my in my university, I never went to check my results most times. I think maybe just once or twice. We had like eight semesters. Yes. But every time my result was a first class. I had a first class result every semester. And of course, I graduated with a first class CGPA. Wow. But it was that principle. I just so my focus was on what do I need to do. My focus was on those pre- the principles Please, I needed to pay attention. Don't feel to. bad. No, <laughs> no. So <laughs> just just pick the principles and apply the them now. Yeah, it's the principles. Start applying them. Don't yeah. feel bad. So I did it. that for for academics. I did that for one or two other things. Then when I when I graduated, when I got to that final year, mm. you know, then I told myself, let me go for a first class life. Mm. So the question now is, what is the metric of a first class life? What does that look like? And I will talk about metrics. I'll talk about KPIs and talk about the but you know back to that book, bottom yes. line thinking. Yes. Right. But so that's it. So. 
a major principle is imagination and vision as far as your eyes can see right um i i love i love you if you if you if you if you work with me or you um or you you interact with me you know that i read a lot just like now and i, yeah. I try to learn a lot um one of the major voices that trained me and graciously had the opportunity to also have direct mentorship for me it was about tomorrow right before he passed now blessed memory what i love is the um, definition of vision you know vision is foresight based on insight with the benefit of hindsight so if you want to really become a visionary person and you want to be able to imagine you know invest seed imagination seed yourself invest in yourself to be able to imagine in your field or your industry and aspire for big things that ability to envision will be hinged on your understanding of history what have people done in your in your field who are the people that have done great things you need references so insight insight you cannot interact with insight and invest into research and understanding you know the people who built those industries or you know what made for great organizations and you will not be able to imagine or envision yeah. so foresight then principles insight those things empower you to have foresight right so that's that's one of the things ambition is a major part of everyone's life i from that first year back to the example i used yeah. from that first year i had a vision of me climbing on stage on my graduation i had that picture in mind i maintained that picture in my mind because they used to welcome first class people to class so it was a major picture i had in my mind that helped my discipline mm. right every time i felt like giving up or i felt like giving in mm. i i maintained that picture right so um, yeah so imagination is powerful you said you did you determined to have a first class life so would you please share <laughs> when you determined to have a first class life you just say i'm determined to have a first class life and nothing written nothing like all the steps you took that's giving you this first class life uh well if i stay on that journey that's your, <laughs> well, the journey but hey you know yeah but we're making progress, we're making progress. Yeah. um so let at this before i jump into that question yeah since this is ceo so yeah. that people know that these things are structured you yes. see you can't give what you don't have one of the things i used to say is that you can't you can't drink um, posties and permit cocoa pops. Ah, Normally, ah, I used to say you can't drink Gary and permit conflict, but because we have a global audience, let's use other examples. But leadership, you know, there are different dimensions of leadership. But before we even talk about leading others or leading yeah. organizations, the first person you have to lead is yourself. It starts with leadership of self, right? Leadership of self. You have to be able to lead yourself from where you are to where you can be. Mm. You, if you, if you want to be able to hold a vision for an organization and lead the organization. You have to be able to hold a vision for yourself mm-hmm. and lead yourself, right? Yes. So back to did I at did I document it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in twenty in twenty twenty um in two thousand and five. Back to sandbox. Back to how we can actually prepare young people in yeah. the university we attended. One of the classes we saw was called TMC Total Man Concept, right? Um. What you can do is all, all you can do is all you can do, <laughs> yeah, and all you can, can do, do is enough. enough. <laughs> yes, they made us write a letter to ourselves in ten years' time, twenty fifteen. Like as 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 time will have it, I stumbled on that letter in twenty again. It keeps records. I I I just went I had a file it and I just stumbled records. on. I've forgotten that letter. 
But I stumbled on the letter I wrote to myself, ten, my 10 year self. And you stumbled year. on it in, in this exact 10 same 10 year, 2015, actually. <laughs> and in that, in that letter, I was writing. In fact, I am this sabbatical. I'm yeah. about to go and go for some days off, and I'm going back to go and get some files. In which like time zone? Old journals, old writing. No, no, in no, no. I'm in Nigeria. I'm in Nigeria. In Ibadan, time zone. Yeah, because okay. yeah. So, but I wrote. I was writing to myself that okay, Femi, in 2015, I see you speaking globally. Yeah. I see you facilitating transformation globally. I see you sitting on boards doing things with UN, AU, you know. Uh, and they've come to pass they as in they have actually they have they have you know i've done literally all those things many of those things that i was writing there yeah you know um so that's that's it but over time i've had to articulate what are, what, what are the metrics mm. back to good to great right mm. there's no point reading if you're not going to use what you read now yes right in that good to great for the social sector one of the first thoughts that was pushed across by Jim Collins was, what does distinctive impact look like? What does greatness look like? How do you define greatness? By saying good to great, what does greatness look like for you? You know, you can't, the dream you don't define cannot drive you yeah. successfully. And it's a powerful principle in leadership. The dream you don't, don't define, define cannot, cannot drive, drive you. you. So if you can, the same way is the same principle too for leading your team, organization. If you cannot really paint a picture, of what you, you don't just say we are moving our organization from good to great what is good what is that what, what does that look what, like what is good what, what is, is great? great what is the baseline where are we starting from and where are we going to it's yeah. the same thing too so i had to initially i had a tripartite kind of um, bottom line oh. I, I i defined that first class life from the point of view of impact okay influence and income impact influence and income are you like but you let me make it better for you yes. that's not even acronym yes <laughs> impact influence and income and i discovered in my leadership journey and my inter in, in leading organizations that i, I mean i i i decided i realized that i missed the major part and mm. it's the first most important part that could drive the other thing mm. and the first that was people so when i was leading when i this was my personal principle but i used it to lead a particular organization right um and I realized that the, I should just be eating the pie daily. Pie, as I said, pie. I just remembered pie. Yeah, now. pie I remember yeah. our pie. You know, um, but that's the, the that's the pie I should eat daily. That's the pie I should eat daily for the kind of first class life that I want, right? So people impact in that order. People impact, influence, income. Let me explain. If I focus, this this is personal to me. My main people, my main different things for people, but. Yeah. Remember, I said fascinating transformation of individuals, organization, yes, and nations. Yes. I am called to serve people. So whether it's within an organization, within um, within um, the broader society, yeah. my the products, my services, my products, the things I would do, have a, they have a human side to it, humanity and a human face. In terms of my own career path and my business trajectory, right? I must be able to point everything I do to serving people. If I can consciously intentionally serve people with excellence with intentionality i would always have impact i'm loving this i'm loving this interview and uh, I, I wish i could write you know take notes but i'm glad i'll be able to watch it and pick a lot of lessons from it i want to go back into interrogate your passion interrogate your passion 
you said you always interrogate your passion. Um, are you interrogating the why? Are you interrogating the the motive? Are you inter- what are you interrogating? I would like you to just briefly break uh, ex- expatiate on that. Okay. Um, hmm. One of the reasons why I talked about interrogate your passion hmm. is um, there are different dimensions to it. Hmm. We, we've seen people um, jump out at the wrong timing. We've seen people pursue passion on, in unprofitable ways. Yeah. Right? We've seen people burn out even by trying to explore their passion. Man, burn out is real. It's real. It's real. We've seen people... So there, there are different dimensions to it. Yeah, right. we, we, we talk about a point of entry in systems thinking or in program design. Yeah. So there's a problem or there are different dimensions to a problem or there are many things you're passionate about. What's your point of entry? Right? What's the best point of entry? So let me give an example. Yeah. All I knew was that I was passionate about solving problems. You might feel that's big. But yes, I knew I was very passionate about solving problems. Yeah. I knew a lot, a bit to say that I couldn't do something monotonous. I love the diversity of problems. I solve this problem, I solve that problem as my day-to-day. Yeah. And I was asking myself, what is the best career that can allow me to solve problems on the go and solve different kinds of problems? And then, early on in my career, I was like, a consulting career might be a good way because in consulting, yes. management consulting, you have, you have different cases, you know, and you're solving a human, um, a fi- the financial side of a problem, the human resource side of a problem, you know, a strategy side of a problem. But, Guess what? That was not my path. I, I did get consulting jobs, like in the structural consulting and global consulting firm, and I didn't get some. But it took me a while to realize I could do similar in the in a development organization. I see. Because I, I would have this kind of project today. I would have that kind of project. I would have this kind of project, especially in an organization that, has, that intervenes in different thematic areas. Yes. Right? So that, that, that's an example of interrogating your passion. Interrogating your passion could also say, what's the right vehicle? to yeah. pursue this passion. Interrogating your passion could be, should I do a job or should I build a business? Or should I start a non-profit? You understand? Interrogating your passion could be, who are the people that can guide me on this journey? So there are different dimensions to interrogating your passion. But I think even much more deeper is separating interest from passion. Mm. Separating, separating interest from passion. from passion. Or separating minor passions from your major. Okay. Right? What should I invest my life in in this season of my life, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know if that uh, that, that helps. That, that 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 really helps. Thank you very yeah. much. Interrogating your passion, giving clarity uh, to your passion, understanding the vehicles that you you use to achieve your your passion, the entry points to your passion, and and I will say the resources you have, the natural resources you have yeah. to achieving your yeah. passion. The resources you need, external resources you may need to achieve your passion. The people, yeah. the you know, the strategy you need to achieve your passion. I think that's very, very beautiful. And we all, you know, need to have that moment, that sabbatical, that yeah. moment where we interrogate our passions or interrogate even our goals, our ideas, yeah. even our beliefs, right? Where we yeah. say, why do I believe that I can do this? Why do I, you know, I you, you, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Let me give an example. One yeah. of the first problems that I was visibly annoyed with, and I'm still annoyed <laughs> in this my nation, is downfall. So, yeah, they don't have regard for from. users. Yeah. They don't have regard for other road users or yes. the customers and the boss. 
right? So I have I mean, makes you really angry. Yeah, I'm passionate about that. Yeah. But should I because of that? <laughs> <laughs> what should I do with that passion? Yeah. No, that's a good one. What should yeah. I do with that passion? Mm. But it was a pointer to a bigger problem. Yes. It's a pointer to the failure of leadership yes. in public sector, mm. a failure of policy. Mm. And so I could approach solving that problem from that point of view. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. It doesn't mean I should go and buy a bus. It doesn't mean I should start a mobility startup. It could mean that for different people. But that's yes. just one simple use case of saying interrogate your passion. Yeah. Right? For the longest time, I bought I own the domain, um, own the domain do um, daffo.org. I'm telling you, even last week I was asking myself, what do I want to do with this thing? And I'm like, you know, maybe I should just put a challenge out, put some. So there are different, now I could even start an hackathon. Mm. That's another way to do something with that passion. And maybe throw two million as a cash price to say someone to find a solution to, you know, or something, you know, or just see some ideas. So there are different ways you can. And I also realized quite early that not Mm. all passions are to be pursued immediately. immediately. Honestly. So I, there, there, I'm sure you also, I know, not that I'm sure, there are things that you want to do that now you're just like, yes, yeah, it's not your time. It's not your time. You know, so interrogating your passion so you don't just burn out. You don't just fizzle out. You don't just, um, you don't, you don't just come out prematured and prematurely and, um, and um, you lose team or you're, yeah. you're disregarded because. I have, I have many, many examples of coming out prematurely, right? Mm-hmm. I've had businesses I tried to do, not even business. They were they were impact projects, right? One was to solve cancer, one even education. But at that time, it wasn't right. You know, I didn't have the resources at where to fulfill that passion. And it's still something I hope to do in the future. So I can really relate, right? Then you're gonna give another example. Interrogating your passion yes. also means reading about that. So don't, before you jump into anything, you want to, back to that definition of foresight based on insight with the benefit yes, of insight. insight. Do you understand more about, historically about this problem yeah. or about this passion, about what others have done with the passion, what they're doing? Do you have insights into what makes this work? What makes this stay? What makes this stick? You know, and then you can, you are, that means you are, using those two pillars, you'll have more foresight about what you can do with that passion. So there are different dimensions. Um, and I'm trying to also move this just not just from an individual leadership point of view, yes. but even to an organizational point. So whether you ro- you're running a business or a social enterprise, you know, you find, I mean, first of all, if your organization, a living organization will be passionate about many, several things. Yes. A living organization doesn't just um, do business as usual, you know, and maintain the status quo. Yeah. A living organization, a truly living organization and healthy culture, you would have people tr- saying, oh, we can do this. We can do that. Why don't we try this? You know, yeah. the ex- they're, they're expressing the problem in different ways, exercising yes. their passion about that same problem. That means they're passionate about the problem the organization is trying to solve. Yeah. You know, and the services is offering and they can think about different things. But it doesn't mean you push everything. Yeah. There's one Asian um, proverb. It said that the dog has four legs. Doesn't mean it has to run in four directions. Right, so so just just so even an organization, you need to be able to interrogate um, your passion, you know, the organizational passion, ideologies, and you know, to set the direction. So you are not leading in the wrong. You know, you have to say which is more profitable. You have to. There are many ways to interrogate 
because we have CEOs that are very they are bringing a million ideas to yes. the team. I see that in I see that when I'm talking to teams of some small business, they're yeah. like this one. They will say we are doing this today. We are doing that tomorrow. We are yes. doing this. Which one are we doing? What's the right trajectory for us to really blow and influence the world or change the world or you know maximize profit? Yeah. Right. So you need to interrogate. That means have a framework to test ideas. Does it pass the mission test? You know, so that there's no mission paper. You know, does it pass yeah. the mission test? Does it pass pass the profitability or the sustainability test for you? Yes. Does it? You know, those kind of things. Amazing. Recently, uh, in my business, right, we had to we had like a strategy session where we decided to focus on two things that we want See? to do. We had a lot of things we wanted to to do there. I would like to ask uh, some questions about business lessons. You've dealt with a lot of businesses. You've done a lot with small, medium scale, like I mentioned before. What are the most notable business failures that you've seen that probably impacted you? Maybe, maybe read about, but I would like something that you've you've handled a business failure, either personal or something you helped somebody you know with a business failure and some lessons you took from that business failure or business lessons as well or leadership failure hmm. i think and i'm not using the example i'm using is not the example of uh, also businesses that like you're just trying to keep body and soul yeah you know just like solopreneurship yeah um, let me let me i'm going to be speaking from the perspective of those who are trying to build business that would uplift them or businesses that at least they can step away from as a founder, yeah. right? And that as a, a growing concern, and yeah. a growing concern, as it were. Um, I think one of the one one major lesson is that people underestimate the importance of governance. I've seen some people underestimate the importance of governance. Corporate governance. Corporate governance. Yeah. Thanks for for that. Corporate governance in you know. In, in, in the different stages of their business. So, obviously, when you start your business, you just focused on revenue, making the, you know, the cash flow, and all of that. And you always still pay attention to those metrics. That's very important to keep the business going. But as your business grows, it gets to a point that, I mean, even early on, you need to put some systems of structures in place to be able to ensure that you can sustain growth and you can, the business can fulfill its potential. So, I think. That's one thing I've seen that some people underestimate until it hurts them. Um, but let me flip this around to share things that I think worked or would work. You know, from just interacting with maybe some other founders, um, from the organizations I had the privilege of leading, and just our work with social entrepreneurs, SMEs yes. of the organizations themselves. Um, one is, if you are leading a business, the question is, what does that even look like? If you are leading an organization, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yes, you can ultimately say you are leading individuals. But what, what are the different dimensions of leading an organization? Um, and so let me just try to, to, to start from top. The first is that I, I'm speaking to you as a CEO now, yeah. or as the one leading a major division. You, you, a major tool for your leadership is vision, mission, value. Even for an organizational leadership. With those three things, you can activate your people. 
you can direct your people, you can influence your people. Because leadership is, amongst other things, influence. Right? Vision can go into the day-to-day lives of even down to the front desk person. Mission and values can go into the day-to-day life and the culture and the operations of a business. If it's carefully honest, carefully articulated and carefully wielded by, by a leader. The vision, mission, and values are, they sound high level, but they are very practical. Yeah. Right? It's not just something that sits on the wall or that sits on your website or your business profile. <laughs> it should really, literally be something you, that you use as a leader to frame the narrative of your interaction with your people. Right? People should, you, 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 you can't have a growing business or a successful business, bring everybody in the business, from the drivers to the security, and not living. Vision. the reality of what that vision entails in their practicality and they cannot see how they play a part or how their part contributes to the vision you know and what is vision vision very simply put is to be what do you want to be mission is to do what what are you doing and what do you want to do for others and for the world you know for your customers and values is how you do behaviors to help you do and to help you be right articulate it then you embody it as the leader and let it form let it be the let, let it form the basis of your policies, of your reward systems, right? And all the kinds of systems you would emplace in, in your organization, mm-hmm. right? So that's one. Vision, mission, values. The next thing is how do you operationalize it? You operationalize it in policies, like I said, you operationalize it into systems, mm-hmm. systems of reward, systems of learning, mm-hmm. systems of management, systems of accountability, right? Systems of, you know, all of the systems you you, so, as a leader, you're a leader of individuals. You're a yes. leader of idea, ideas that run your business. Yes. You're a leader of the systems that run your business. Right? So, those are practical things you can do to build a great business. And I would encourage you to invest in corporate governance. That means set up a board. No matter, like, even if it's an advisory board, even if it's not a, it's not a board of directors. And board is not, as, it's not complex in the sense that it's not about giving people stake or that they have to have shares. Yeah. Is that you have another layer of leadership above you that you can draw from, that you can lean on, that can bring different high-level competencies, you know, and visibility to your business, you know, to your to your leadership and to your organizational trajectory. So that's 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 one thing I would say. But let me let me go this dimension. Leadership of an organization will be about managing some tension. Right? People versus performance. You have to manage the perf- how, how are we building people for also demanding performance? Sometimes people lean towards one extreme or the other, but you would have to manage those tensions. Short-term priorities and long-term objectives. How do we make sure that at least we meet the next quarter target? We meet the, how do we make sure that you know, we are growing, we are doing the R&D, we are improving the, the, the processes, we are improving our systems to be able to thrive for the long-term. So short-term priorities with long-term objectives. You know, um, you know, so it, it has to, it, it's all about that. Um, and I would say that at the end of it all, it, it comes down to intentionality, yeah. right? Intentionality, intentionality in defining what success looks like, how you achieve those that success, yeah. and then what what that means on a day to day for everybody. Amazing. So, talk a little about bouncing back from failure. Okay. Uh, what have you seen? What are the principles? If you have examples, have you seen businesses who took a huge loss? How did they come back up? What did they do? How were you a part of that? 
or the general advice you no know, maybe i should use a personal example so that i don't use other the example of other yeah, people that be, yeah. right um, um so in my own leadership journey um i've had i've had instances where i would have preferred if i manage people in a different way or manage people better right and i've seen people talk about i remember there was a time one of my some of my virtually most of my team members i tell me what exactly changed between last year and this year right every change at the base at the, at the at the root of it is where am i why am i here what would what do i desire and what do i need to do? right so where am i why am i here what do i desire and why what do i desire why do i desire it and what do i need to do right so you can call it different names you can say gap analysis you can you can call it there are different tools Gap different analysis. frameworks right yeah. um but at the end of it all like what what changed was basically me settling down and getting feedback taking feedback in i mean feedback is a, is a growing concern right yeah. but one of it was about getting feedback in structured ways so feedback can help you bounce back bounce back yeah it could be in a in a business sense it could be getting feedback from and yes. really literally you you have to you have very to be true. you have to be very 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 passionate about them as a business and as an individual as a leader and as a business that wants to be right uh, lead the market lead the market share and all you have to be intentional about learning learning about what's changing in the world around what's changing in your customer uh, um, uh, preferences you know learning from your customer about the mistakes you're making or what you could do better and i think those are fundamental things that i've seen people use to bounce yeah, yeah amazing i think I think what you said there, learning, listening to your customer, getting the feedback on why they didn't purchase. Because yeah. most business failures are the ones that are really, really obvious out there is when customers stop revenue. buying from you, yeah. revenue, yeah. when revenue is key. So um, learning from them as to why I think is very, is very, very underestimated. You know, I think criminally underestimated actually, because once you're once your customers can give you the feedback, in fact, they have the roadmap as it were. They know what they want and they know what to expect. Thank you very much for watching the Mr. Jegs Africa. See you on Scripted. I said something earlier. I said everybody needs a Femi title. I hope you understand now that you need a Femi title in your life. You need to watch and watch this over and over again until... You know, all the principles here have been applied into your business, into your life, you know, and you're a lot better for it. Thank you and see you in the next episode of See You Unscripted on the Dex Africa.